I Hope I Can Make It Through, Degrassi Viewing Podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your slightly singed neophyte, Frank. (laughs) And today we have a very special guest, a recently published author. Please give a warm welcome to our guest, Demi. Woo! Hi! So, Demi, we we are very excited to have a a newcomer onto the show. Um, So we must ask you, what is your relationship with Degrassi? Um, the grassy was really important during my formative years. Um, I don't remember exactly what age I was when it started, um, and or sort of kind of ended. Um, but it was so important that I would like wait to see my cousin so we could talk about it. And it was just like all these, all the issues that came up in the show were just like so important to me, even before I knew that I identified with half of them. Um, and it was just like, I was just so wrapped up in the drama, and I think I was learning things without really realizing I was learning things, and I was just like, Degrassi, it goes there. Like, if you don't watch the show, I don't know what you're doing. It was just so important to me back then. Oh. Um, well, we're going to definitely put that nostalgia to the test as we're taking a look at Degrassi, The Next Generation, Season 3, Episode 22, The Power of Love. Um, quick content warning on this one, we will most likely be talking about, well, we are going to be talking about cultural appropriation specifically, um, and we are also going to be discussing a couple transphobic jokes that happen in rapid succession in this episode. Um, as always, check the description if you want to be prepared exactly when we're going to have these discussions, but they are both really tied into the A-plot, so if you need a little more context for that, it's a lot in the A-plot. Um, before we get too far into discussing this episode, Demi, would you like to introduce our A, B, and C plots? Right, so we've got two plots this time. The A plot is basically that Jimmy's trying to uh, prove to Hazel that he can sort of take care of things and take charge and plan this whole date that he's playing for, and it's like a double date between him, Hazel, and um, Spinner and Paige. And they're going to go to a restaurant and a limo before they go to the dance. And he's got their outfits and all of that. Um, the B plot is that Sean um, sort of has a run in the snake because Snake's like, you're going to fail this class unless you do this thing for me. And then Sean admits that he did this terrible thing to Snake in the past and he's trying to make amends and there's a bunch of tension. Um, and then the C plot is that Caitlin gets this, well, Joey asks Caitlin to move in with her sort of like kind of sporadically but clearly he wanted to and then um caitlin also gets this huge opportunity but she turns it down because she wants to focus on moving in with joey so there's a conflict there awesome well done with all three of them jesus but um, it's a lot it is but i do want to draw attention i wasn't really sure when the right time to bring this up in the episode is but i noticed something very peculiar when i put this episode on on the old YouTube and noticed that there was a description for this episode that was drastically different from what it was what we ended up getting. Um, so apparently there was a lot of weird shit that happened during this season in terms of how they wanted to approach the finale. It was originally going to be a two-parter. This episode was going to be called Rock the Casbah and it was originally the main A plot was supposed to be an Ellie versus Marco situation because Ellie was boycotting due to the a cultural appropriation of the theme, of the Bollywood theme. Which makes sense. What? Yeah. So that was the YouTube description and it is printed on the DVD. Wait. Okay, we'll get into it. I'll bring it up later, but then like I feel like it should have came up when she walked into the dance just as a like one off or like yeah. a 
why are we here? This sucks or something. Yeah, like I feel like the skeleton you can still see in terms of like how Ellie is present, but still doesn't really say very much in the episode. It almost feels like they like kept the, it feels like the Snake Sean plot was going to be in it no matter what. And then, like, kind of that was going to be the connector into the A-plot, those scenes where Ellie's just kind of, like, there. But th they didn't, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was they felt they couldn't do it in one episode or what, but, like, they entirely changed how they were going to approach that A-plot. Yeah. Because I think they kind of realized, like... I think we'll get more into it later, but, like, the B-plot was more important than that A-plot, honestly. I mean, at this point, yes. Yeah. Um, Higher stakes. Yeah. Yes, yes. And it would be kind of, like, counterproductive if it was just like, hey, I'm up here to apologize. Also, I might have set a small recreational fire. <laughs> as we say in the quote, <laughs> in my family's lingo. It's, yeah, it's just very interesting, because I was, like, looking at it, <laughs> I had this moment where I'm looking at the YouTube description, and I'm just, like, muttering to myself, I'm like, no, this is definitely the episode where Jimmy, like, has a really bad day, right? <laughs> Like, I'm not making that up, and I, like, sitting there watching the episode, keep muttering to myself, I'm like, have I, like, did I, for whatever reason, in all my rewatches, miss this one episode? Like, what happened? And then I was like, oh, okay, I had to look it up later. I mean, I would have also blocked it out. I don't want to see Ellie and Marco fighting. It's a good discussion to have, though, yeah. like, but it almost felt so, we'll talk more about this later. I was, like, mostly shocked, because I was like, wow, this is almost, like, too right of a plot for Degrassi to, to take on. It, it's like... <laughs> I agree, but it's also it's just like somebody's just like, you know that line dancing part in Star Wars? And you're like, I'm pretty sure I've seen all of Star Wars, but you sound really convincing that there's a line dancing scene. <laughs> That's how it felt. It's like you could have, like, in that moment I was so vulnerable, you could have told me anything. I was like, oh! But um, for the sake of getting through this episode, because there are three plots in it and they are all very isolated from each other in this entity, um, we're going to start C plot, B plot, A plot. So our C plot is the Joey and Caitlin plot. It is a very oddly fit plot. <laughs> it's just very disconnected. And in a way that I feel like it could have been better connected. <laughs> But we just gotta rip this off like a band-aid. I thought, like, during that pause, I thought you were gonna say, it's a very poor, boring, <laughs> unnecessary plot. That's implied. Stupid plot. I just... Silly plot. It is. It's like... Okay, so, like, it starts off, we're at Joey's, um, and Joey is, like, looking around for, I guess, like, records of some assortment, and Caitlin is, like... Uh, like, he lets Caitlyn in, and, like, you know, they kind of have this very fluid motion of, like, she knows where stuff is, and, like, he's letting her in. It's just, like, this nice little connection moment, I guess. Um, and then Joey is like, you know, like, we don't have to live this separate life thing. Like, you're a part of the kids' lives and everything. You, you should live here. Like, you should move in. And she's like, oh, this is so sudden. Um, and then she kind of, like, leaves it. She's like, oh, like let's talk about it later, and then she has to go to work. She seems more pleased than, like, it's like she was pleased, but she wanted to draw it out. That's how I felt about it. Like, she wanted yeah. to maybe revel in the moment, because she comes in, she's looking for something that she left behind, and then he hands her the thing, and she's like, we're two peas in a pod, ha ha ha, how we're both running behind, you say you're late for work still, blah blah blah. And then he's like, well, you can move into this pod, and it's like, it came out of 
nowhere, but it's like he's glad he said it. And she, her face is overjoyed, but she's got to get back to her meeting. I mean, I it was an interesting thing. I honestly feel like that's how this kind of thing happens, where it's for the, you know, sometimes, where you're just kind of like, a notion just like pops in and you say it, just, and you're like, oh yeah, that does land kind of right. Yeah, I think I think there is something to be said, especially in that context where it's kind of like they, they one, one of them knows where the other one's stuff is and things like that. You can only imagine how much stuff she has accrued in the apartment at this point. You know, I do get it. It's just, I don't know, it's such an adult plot. Yeah. And, like, I'm so out of my element watching these two adults do adult things when I'm, like, thinking about, like... I would have loved this so much more with Sean and Ellie. Yeah, like, I just... What, like, oh, like, she leaves stuff at his, his like, barren apartment with the chocolate milk and the chocolate cake in the fridge? <laughs> no, no, like, I mean, her home life isn't great. Yeah, I mean, there is that. Like, um, Jimmy has his fear factor. Does she have a ferret? Did I make that up? She does get a ferret. That is a slight spoiler. I'm sorry, Frank. You and the ferret should move in. <laughs> we could be a family. <laughs> we'll be a family. <laughs> um, but, like, Joey has... Not Joey. Damn it. Jimmy has his fear... Oh, God. It's going to be terrible this episode. <laughs> yeah, They're both in it. <laughs> Jimmy has his fear factory workshop, and then Sean can have, like, his little house for lost souls. Yeah, it just, but at least, like, that gives me a reason. It's like, there's this weird, I don't know, like, I, I really do, I, I feel all over the place about the emphasis on adult plots in Degrassi. I don't know how you feel about it, Demi, like, especially, like, because you watched it when you were younger. How did you feel when, like, the adult stories were being told? No, I think it's pretty weird. When I was watching this episode, like, Honestly, I plan on going back and listening to all the episodes that you put out before this, oh, and sure. then rewatching all the episodes um, because it's about that time. The last time I did it was like in my early twenties, but um, watching it just now, I was just like, "This is weird." Because I was watching this as a little kid, and I get nothing from this as a kid. But maybe it was put there for the people who watch the original original show, and they want to like cater to the adults a little bit, but not really. Not if there's not you know adult plots in every episode. Like, what lesson am I getting from this as a child? I don't know. Yeah, like, it just kind of feels like, I think the thing is, is, like, I, I, I totally understand why there are the adult, the adult plots, especially because at this time, Degrassi is, is getting a large age range in terms of viewership. You have kids, then you have, like, the, I think it goes up to, like, they were ranked the highest when they were going all the way up to, like, 49-year-olds or something like that. Like, a pretty big demographic. But I feel like the thing is, is, like... It, I feel like sometimes the adult plot, you can kind of discern what the the takeaway from it is when you're a kid. But I feel like Joey and Caitlin's stuff in particular just gets so insular in a way that, like, I feel like Snake and Spike stuff, because it connects back to Emma a lot of the time, I'm like, oh, I get it. I understand why we're getting into, like, the weird stuff of being an adult, because, like, this does impact Emma's life. But Joey and Caitlin act in a way that's so separate from Craig and Angie sometimes that, like... Like, it feels like, you know, I feel like what if this plot actually wanted to be tethered within Degrassi and the kids, it would be Joey goes ahead and invites Caitlin, and then he doesn't actually bring it up with Craig and Angie, and now he has to deal with the fact that Craig and Angie, ha like, you know, maybe they don't want Caitlin to move in, or maybe that is a change and they're not sure how to prepare for it. Maybe they don't know how to accommodate space together and coexist with it yet. And, like, that feels like exactly. the connection. 
Yeah, Craig is. Yeah. Craig is once again ex 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 completely absent from what Joey is doing. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, you know, Jake, Jake Epstein probably had a lot going on. Tiger Beat and whatnot. Um, <laughs> but, um... <laughs> I'll find one, I swear to God. Um, I know, I know, you will. Um, but yeah, it's just like a weird disconnected thing. And this disconnection continues when we go to Caitlin's office. Um, which, by the way, she's on her computer, and she has a sticker on her computer that says, Hi, I don't care, thanks, in, like, true Happy Bunny, like, early aughts form. Sonny, I have so many notes about this scene, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna, like, pretend that I don't. I have so many notes about this scene, it's so funny, because I think I was paused for five minutes writing notes, and I realized I'd only, like, seen about five seconds of the scene. That's my life. Let it rip. <laughs> Please, what else did you observe? Oh my god, if I could just bring us into the scene. Please <laughs> so, do. I noticed that sticker. I noticed that sticker. Okay, so we we come in to the scene sort of like over her shoulder. We're looking at the computer, right? Mm. And um, she has a snow globe on the little razor above her, like, or underneath her computer screen that's holding it up. She's got a UNICEF box, like, in her windowsill, like, I think pins that have feathers on the end in them. It's a very, like, whimsical space. She's got cards all over the wall and stuff. And she's, like, got the smug look on her face as she's scrolling through something on the screen. And so um, then I noticed the stickers. Um, the high I don't care thing sticker is great. And then there's a yellow sticker, a yellow and black sticker on the top left. And I couldn't make out what it said. Did anyone else catch what it said? Unfortunately, I did not. Yeah. I okay. Wish. I'm going to be... You might, I'm not sure if you guys are going to want to edit this out or not. Honestly, I held, I held on it. I looked at it for a while and I thought initially that it said niggas plot revenge. And I was just like, whoa, what type of like black punk music thing are you into? And I was like, no, it doesn't say that, but I couldn't make it out. It's like Nicola plots revenge or something like that. And I looked that up. It's not a band. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know then. Um, but most importantly and most deliciously, um, on the screen, she's looking at. The, do you wanna you wanna tell them about the website? I, just oh, have, I have yeah. notes about the website, but I don't want to like take over. Oh my god, no! You can always take narration. over, especially when it comes to this stuff, because she is looking up. Um, she's on this website, which is formatted so delightfully of the time period, with very boxy effects <laughs> and like very flat graphics. Um, and she is currently in the process of trying to create customized towels. One obviously saying Joey, the other one obviously saying Caitlin. And I, like, screamed because I was just like, not Joseph? <laughs> <laughs> and I became very worried. I'm like, does Caitlin realize Joey is a nickname? <laughs> well, let's face facts. Caitlin has not been the best at thinking anything through. She's dating Joey. I didn't even about that. I was too hung up on this Lisa Frank-esque custom towels website. It's true. It's like this, like, it's like very much the Lisa Frank, like, colors. And, and it's so, like, because it's like there's pinks, there's blue, there's, like, pinks and greens mostly, some purples. How teal. Yeah, like, not, not colors you associate. Because, like, when I think of, like, monogram, like, his and her towels, I think of, like, a bone color, like dark a dark blue. Yeah, like a vaguely neutral to I don't know dramatic color, not Lisa Frank no. color. Because like, no, yeah, this whole website is into the bright colors. Like <laughs> the background's pink, 
It's got pink font on top of that, like a lighter pink. And the words say things like tasty, fluffy, elegant. I can't even. I don't know. I don't know what they mean. I don't know what's going on. And then the colors that they offer for the towels have titles like mist, fog, which is apparently the one that she's chosen because fog is apparently teal, (laughs) cloud, rain, and drizzle. And somehow rain is pink, drizzle is yellow, and I think that they both should be gray, but all right. <laughs> right? Like, these all feel like they would all be blue, basically. Like, all of these colors would be blue. Uh, just to quickly uh, interrupt, I, I, I'm loving all this, by the way, but uh, listeners, do me a quick solid, and in the Facebook group, try post a picture of, of a dress that you would describe as tasty, fluffy, and elegant. Put those three adjectives together and show me what you got. <laughs> Personally, Bajor Swan? Fair, this may be I'm a sorry? typo. I may have meant to put tasteful. I'm not sure. I, I would believe either. <laughs> I would believe either. Uh, personally, for me, it's Bjork's uh, swan dress. Yes, I think that that fits all those <laughs> descriptions. But anyway, please, please continue, Demi. I'm loving all of this. This is so good. Oh, I only have a little bit more. So, <laughs> the, the, also, on the teal towels, the Joey and the Caitlin are in, like, a purple French script MT. That is just... That in itself is just, like, so early odds. I don't have time. Then there's... There's, to the left of the screen, there's already an order number, so I guess she's, like, well into her way of, like, ordering these. And then on the bottom of the screen, it said something like, um, click button to see your towels monogrammed, which was, like, well, she clearly is already seeing them, so who designed this website? Um... And and then and then this guy is peeking through I think her office window and this guy in a red shirt whose name I did not know until later, um, clearly looking over her shoulder and not at all perturbed about her taking personal time because this is her show that she's running she gets to do what she wants at work. Um, right, Tomas. And then he comes in. Tomas. Tomas. Canon gay Tomas. Tomas, which later she calls. Tomas to his face, so I'm not sure which pronunciation it is. I'm also not sure if that's supposed to be French, because you wouldn't pronounce the S if it was. So, we're just gonna go with Tomas for now. Fair enough. But yeah, like, he comes in, yeah, he's totally okay, and she, like, proceeds to talk about, like, how she is making, getting these towels as, like, you know, a way to really prove that she is saying yes to this offer. But it's early days Amazon, so it's going to be about a month. Yeah, like, she's, like, she's just, like, so, I remember you used the term, Demi, like, smug as she's, like, at the computer, and I feel like it, like, continues. It's just, like, she's just super, like, proud that this is a moment happening in her life. Um, but, but, twist, there is, um, you know, a slight issue in this plan, because apparently... Um, her whole entire, like, documentary series pitch that was going to be looking at HIV-AIDS all over the world has been accepted, and she is going to have to go to Geneva tonight to see it through. Station really dragging their feet, because apparently they submitted this a year ago. Yeah, right? And then, of course, she's like, oh, no, like, I can't possibly accept this lifetime achievement I've been attempting to culminate, like, my whole entire career around. <laughs> the, the sad guitar rift is getting a workout this episode. Oh, yes, it is. 
Um, and she's just like, oh, like, you know, I just, I gotta turn it down. I mean, I got, I got Joey now. It's just like, do you expect to not have a career anymore? Like, what do you think moving in means? Well, that was the thing. It was like, and this is where this plot truly lost me. Because, well, there's many ways that this plot lost me. But, like, the fact that this was a conflict really bugged me in the sense that, like, it, it was a situation, and I feel like Caitlin plots end up in a similar spot where she creates her own conflict. Yeah. Constantly. This honestly isn't a conflict. Joey is immediately just like, hey, I'm, I can wait. It's cool. You have to do this. Yeah, like, she just creates... She immediately jumps to support him. Yeah, like, she just creates these narratives for herself and, like, ties herself up in knots. And it just doesn't... I feel like they're... I understand the the reason why we have plots in which women struggle to have it all, right? Like, we, we see professional women having to make decisions about, like, family versus job versus traveling versus whatever. I understand the merit of having those types of plots. But, like, this one, especially when it's, like, it's, like, what do you expect? Like, your whole entire shtick as a reporter is, like, traveling around the world. That yeah. has always been your shtick. Like, you have kind of settled at the station a bit, but you've been known to travel literally all over the world. And then you're surprised when part of your job comes up. Yeah. Like, ugh. It's like being married to Superman, and then you're just like, why are you out nights all the time? It's like, um, do you see the S? But that's like, but then it's Superman making that realization. Like, that's the thing. It's like Superman being like, what do you mean I have to go out and save the world? Like, that's the thing about Caitlyn, where she's like, what do you mean yeah. I need to go to Geneva? Uh, so preposterous. It's, it's just preposterous. Like, do you, do you think he actually would be a stay-at-home mom? Like, what's... What's the conflict here? You're not gonna lose him if you go away. Yeah, like on a job. Joey can take care of them. Like we've had a plot about how she's not really good at raising them. So like, mm -hmm. right. yikes. Joey. Which, which he tried to erase in the earlier conversation because yes. he said, he said, I the kids would love it. You're, you're such a big part of the kids' lives or something like that. They'd love it if you move in. And then he said, most importantly, I'd love it. And I was like, most importantly? Right. Have you talked to your kids? Joey's priorities are fucked. I feel like they have always been fucked, but like, Jesus Christ. This is why these two are perfect for each other, because they are just kind of true. very short-sighted and... Ugh. Okay. Yeah, anyway. Next scene. We continue this fucking thing um so they're at the same restaurant that the a plot is taking place in so there's a quick little transition to them sitting together um you know they they've busted out the champagne they're having like a really nice night um and joey is um you know kind of like oh so like have you given your thought like let's talk about this and caitlin's like oh yeah i'm totally gonna move in man what a roller coaster of emotions today has been and he's like, oh, like, were you thinking about maybe not doing it? Like, what's going on? Talk about your feelings. The only time Joey's going to be, like, doing something right, basically. Yeah. And she's like, oh, well, you know, the series that I, I pitched, it got picked up. Um, but I'm going to turn it down. Like, I'm not going to travel. I'm going to stay here. And Joey's like, but I want you to go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I want you to, you know, 
do this thing you've been trying to do your whole life. Like, like, uh, like, what do you mean? And I'm like, all things considered, this is a perfect thing for Caitlyn. If like she hadn't caused these problems, it's just like, hey, could you move your stuff into your my stuff into your basement while I'm gone? Sure can. Now you don't have to worry about like your apartment anymore. Like your shits, you don't have to worry about a storage unit. That shit's awesome. Yeah, like it, it really works out very well. But it's also like, there's just this piece of it. And I understand that, like, you know, your personal life is your personal life, and, like, you know, that is going to be something that you have a right to try and do and, like, maintain. But there's something that also really irritates me about the fact that, like, she could potentially be giving a perspective and voice to people in the midst of, like, the HIV-AIDS crisis in a lot of these areas, and she's just like, well, fuck them. (laughs) I got a man now, fuck you. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Like, that's the thing. It's like, she's not, like, going to report on, new on like, Paris Fashion Week. Like, she's going to these countries and potentially, like, you know, talking about the various, you know, the lack of action or action being done by government officials and things like that. Like, she could potentially be bringing up a large discussion here. Like, the fact that there is this piece of it really bugs me like it's it's the fact that she i feel like with her like caitlin's a very selfish character we have seen her be extremely selfish but like i was really willing to buy that like you know she's the type of character who's like not very good at the interpersonal but professionally like this is her fucking shit and she's gonna do it so like when i see a character just be like oh that big project that i think is a really important and deserves to be discussed Nah. Like, I got towels to design. That's almost kind of disturbing. It's like, you would want somebody who really cared to be the one reporting on the thing. Yeah. And someone who yeah. will throw it away because she has to move in. Like, you can't do that in a week or two after you get back. Like Exactly. And, like, not... it's nine months. I mean, it's just like... It's not forever. Yeah, like, have we, we not... Are, like, have we not... Heard about, you know, service people going away for longer or for the, roughly the same amount of time? It's or, just, like, going, like, nine months, that's a school year, basically. That's, like... That's yeah. next season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what's really gross is that he was like, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. Like, of course I wanted you to take it. I, I love you. And she was like, I kind of thought you were my opportunity of a lifetime. And I was just like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I couldn't, I began, like, I began looking away, and, like, I just kept looking at my cat, Basil, who makes the most judgmental faces, and, like, I just kind of looked at her, and I was just like, yeah, me too, me too, buddy, because like, that was how I could cope. Everybody hop on the oof train. Yeah, but, like, but even after, she's like, yeah, okay, but I turned it down, and he's like, well, I'm not going anywhere, like, I'm here, it's okay, and she fucking leaves the restaurant! It's like, but, but, oh my god. What what did I do? It's like I better chase after her. No time to pay. And Andrew's just like, God damn it! <laughs> Not again. <laughs> where she looked insulted by that statement and I was just like how but that's exactly <laughs> like how exactly it and it's like I understand to a certain extent you know we want people to respond in ways and when they don't respond in the way that we expect sometimes we we act a little 
pissed off where it may not be warranted. But it's like, I don't understand... I just don't understand this viewpoint of, like, her being like, Yeah, my life. This is it. This is the big moment. Like, at least give me a scene where she's talking to Spike and she's like, Man, I want what you had. Like, I want to settle down. Like, I want to have a, you know, I want to have a long-term relationship and maybe have a kid and things like that. Like, at least give me some nugget that she is shifting her mindset away from this reporter lifestyle that she had. Because... Right now, it just literally feels like she's just pissed off that Joey isn't reacting the way that she wants him to. Like, he's not begging her to stay. Oh my god. I kind of almost feel like she wanted him to beg her to stay, and then she could reconsider and be like, no, I have to go. But then (laughs) she could feel less... She could feel more wanted in the end. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look, but I... It's just... she, She... Wants to go. A part of her wants to go. She's wanted to do this. She's putting a lot of work to do it. Mm-hmm. And somehow this question just erases that? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's just a very odd plot in general. It really feels like they just want it to... It's a, it's a bad sitcom plot, and Degrassi, you're, you're sometimes better than this. Well, like, I also feel like it speaks to how those types of plots just don't operate very well on Degrassi. Like, I feel like when they go in this direction, it rarely overlays very well into the storytelling that they're trying to do. Yeah. It just kind of feels like then, like, because, like, I feel like Holiday, which I also hate and has to do with Joey and Caitlin, is also a story from something else, which, Demi, I don't know if you remember that episode. It's, like, the two-part Christmas episode where Joey and Craig are both terrible men who have affairs with other people. Um, I remember the general affair that Craig had. I need a refresher on Joey. Joey starts... It's... (coughs) He's dating, um, Nikki? Sydney. Sydney. Um... (laughs) (laughs) She's gone now. Um, Uh, (laughs) He's dating Sydney, and, like, the plot turns her evil, because it needs her to be evil. Yeah. And then, uh, Caitlin kisses him, uh, then ruins... Poor, um, whatever Spike and Snake's child's name is. Jack. Jack's first photo of Santa. (laughs) And then, like, he ditches Sydney (laughs) and goes with Caitlin. Yeah. And then has a heart-to-heart with Craig. He's like, I'm a piece of shit, too. Yeah, it's literally like, I'm a piece of shit, but look at me. I'm okay. I own a car dealership. You can too. The writers. It's the writers. I just pulled up a picture of Sydney so I could get like some sort of recognition. I do remember her face and I sort of remember her affectation. So there's that. Yeah, you got a lot oh. of Caitlin used to be brunette. Yeah, she was I she <laughs> I don't think I think she's brunette later. I think she's st- she's still blonde in this chunk, but later on she's brunette. Yeah, the brunette okay. is a choice. But um yeah, it's it doesn't suit her skin tone, I feel like. No, which is a weird thing to project onto someone else, but I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I no, it just it just happens sometimes. But um I feel like hair is the one thing that you can like change enough that you're like, yeah, okay, like certain things do and don't. It's kinda like shirts. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> but um anyway, back to this. Um Caitlin is then in the studio, she's like reviewing her itinerary. 
Um, Tomas kind of comes in and is like, oh, are you sure about this? Like, you know, just earlier you said no, so, like, I need to double check here. Um, and Joey then comes to the studio, um, and he talks about how he's mad at her for walking out at the restaurant. Um, and they have a fight, which basically dilutes to how she is pissed off at him because he didn't ask her to stay. And then she decides to, like, really, like, punch down in this, which he did fuck up, which is talking about how he has also not kept promises before, which I assume is a direct reference to how he cheated on her when they were in high school. I, I was wondering this, about that. I learned this from watching Emma. Right, it's just like, um, like she just kind of just attacks in a way that... It, it just doesn't... It's not even interesting from, like, a storytelling perspective, you know what I mean? It just is kind of like, this is weird and off-putting, and mm. I'm not mm. I'm not here for this. They have a lot of lines in the conversation that are off-putting in general, like, as it progresses during the episode. Um, like, I brought up a, a couple, but in this one, um, at one point she says, if you really love me, you wouldn't want me to go, or something like that, and it's just like, you want him to possess you? <laughs> like, yeah. My polyamorous heart is really grossed out right now. Like, don't wish for that. It's not, you don't want a controlling boyfriend, girl. Big same. It's just like, there's this weird thing. And I do wonder if this was maybe an underdeveloped piece. Because in the first, first episode we see Caitlyn in Next Generation, she is dating a horrible little man who is an American, who is like a director (laughs) or some shit. And like... It takes her the whole... It takes Joey punching him in the face, basically, for her to be like, oh, yeah, he is kind of a dick, isn't he? And, like, I feel like you could almost create this thing where, like, you know, she she has... I mean, maybe make it into a conversation of, like, she has not realized or maybe just has not had very good relationships. And, like, now that she is presented with one where someone is actually supporting her and not trying to contain her, she doesn't know how to deal with it very well and and needs a little bit of a transition to understand, like, hey, you're safe in this relationship. You're good in this relationship. You can do what you want, and there's no trick. Yeah. That's entirely plausible. She's, like, in her late 20s, right? Yeah. She's nearly 30. She might be exactly 30. Yeah, she whines about that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's possible. Like, sometimes you've had a, really, a healthy relationship by the age, and a lot of times you have not. So, especially, like, please, straight girl, cis men, good luck. Especially when, <laughs> when this is a character who, like, had, like, gay dreams in in the original series, and, like, then was like, oh, but that doesn't mean I'm gay, which is, like, a fine thing to teach people, right? Like, it's fine to be like, you know, sometimes you have fantasies. It doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're gonna, like act on them, but there's also this piece of me that's like, so you're telling me that Caitlyn might have been into women and instead has tortured herself with these horrible men. (laughs) And has gone back to her horrible high school boyfriend. Okay, got it. Good. Glad we had this talk. (laughs) Not buying it. Yeah. Degrassi, I'll see you after class. Yeah. (laughs) But they... But then, like, you know, he, you know, Joey, as they're fighting, is just like, do you want this? And do you want this job? And she says, yes. And then, you know, they finally come to a consensus that he's like, I want you to do that. I want you to achieve things. Like, I will be here 
and that's enough for them to kind of, to hug and finally see eye to eye on this thing that did not need to be a conflict for the past however many minutes, too many minutes of this fucking episode. The, the, it's like this this plot is only like seven minutes long. It felt like forever. I know, right? It feels so long. I felt like when he was telling her, um, you know, you want this job. I'm going to be here when you get back. It's okay. I felt like he was talking to a child and trying to explain to a child that, like, you don't have to give up part of yourself in order to get these other things that you want or something like that. And maybe that's just because, like, I I know what's happened recently between him and her and, and Angie, but I just felt like he was talking down to someone he knew at that moment was a lot less mature than him. And this is Joey. So I was yeah. just, like, getting this weird vibe from it. And I was just like... Ugh. No, it's, it's ugly. Like, when you really line it up to their whole relationship progression in this season, it is really uncomfortable in a way that, like, I just never picked up on as a kid. But, like, now that I've had to explore this relationship in a way that wasn't just me going, oh, fuck, Joey and Caitlin are on the TV? Well, I guess I'll read some more fanfic. Bye. <laughs> like, now they actually have to confront it. I'm like, ooh, this is, like, not a good relationship. Nope. I don't ship it. I don't, I, oh, Lord knows every listener knows I do not ship this, but, like, it's really, <laughs> it's just such a weird ship to me because I feel like when, you know, if you, as a, as a writer, if you're going to revive a high school romance, like, you really gotta make sure that is worth reviving because if it's not, then you just look back on the, the, you know, the canon evidence that was like, there was a reason why they didn't work in the first place. Yeah. And that's all I can think about. And now I have this, and it's like, oh, so good to know Joey has literally existed on this planet for another however many years and has not gotten better. Yeah. Glad we had this talk. Shall we move on to um, the B plot? No. We got the last fucking bit, which is uh, right in front of the studio. Joey and Caitlin kiss as the limo service pulls up. <laughs> and then they give one last kiss. She leaves. Where the fuck is her luggage? I don't know. Did she go home and pack luggage at some point? What happened? I literally also have this note. Like, she's going for Where nine. She's going for nine months. You know, to be fair, <laughs> given Caitlin's past experience on the show, I wouldn't put a pastor to leave like a three-hole punch and a, <laughs> and one of those smaller one-hole punch things. <laughs> she like fucking she fucking stumbles into like the airport and goes to the duty free. Is like this will do and just like puts everything in those like double plastic bags. I can't pack for five. I can barely pack for myself for five days. What the fuck do you take for nine months? <laughs> Jesus, what a mess. So she buys eight pairs of Birkin sandals and the hair <laughs> <laughs> And like a straw hat. Okay, and... Um, She's like, I'm going to hot places. This will do. And real quick, before you internationally travel, aren't there, I don't know, maybe a series of very important mm-hmm. vaccinations you're supposed to do? Right? Like, she's going to... Didn't they say she's going to sub-Saharan Africa? Like, yeah. you definitely uh, need malaria-related stuff. Yeah, I played Far Cry 2. I thought about writing this down, but it was like, she's going to a, play, a lot of places where brown and black people are suffering. Yes, <laughs> yes, naturally. That's what they typically did. But, like, she definitely, like, needs a lot more time than this. Also, like, I feel like if you're filming, aren't there, like, visas and shit you need to do? Yeah, does she, does she have her passport uh, with her? <laughs> I would 
I am ready. No, to she, no, she doesn't. She just shows up and she's like, it's not on file from last time. Come on. <laughs> okay, so. So, t- so while you surely you've heard of my show, Caitlin Ryan. So while Caitlin is smooching um, Joey in front of the studio, Tomas is like quickly getting all the shit together because you know that guy has to be on point given the way Caitlin runs her life. Just... And like he passes her in the car, like with her luggage and whatnot, and like he kind of hands it off to her the way they hand off like the baton in relay races. <laughs> And he's like, okay, so just keep running. I'll take care of your vaccinations. Then he takes out, like, a trank gun and just shoots her in the back, like, three times. Oh, my God. That's the only way I'm... Is he her assistant? What? Is he her assistant? No, he's her boss. Like, I assume a producer or something. Like, someone that probably, like, should not have to be worried about this. But, like, she doesn't have an assistant. And I don't want to imagine Ellie having to do all of this. Because that just makes me sad. I don't know. I like the... I like the idea of Tomas yelling at Ellie, Trank her! Trank her now! Yeah, it's just like, ugh! Like, poor Ellie, poor Ellie's like, Ellie's like, isn't my co-op technically done? <laughs> nope. There's one more week. Ellie just shows up on Monday. It's like, uh, where's Caitlin? Africa. What? Yeah, no, 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 Tomas is like, Tomas is like, your co-op is done when she's on the plane. <laughs> She didn't get an email about that. <laughs> she's, just, she's just at the dance. She's like, uh, I gotta go. I had to go track my boss. <laughs> this is literally the only way I can cope with this goddamn plot. <laughs> she has one of those rifles from Jurassic Park. Oh my god. From behind the like the luggage carrier. <laughs> Jesus. Are we ready so for the- we handled this one first? <laughs> <laughs> Then another Caitlin comes out from the side. She's like, clever girl. <laughs> Are we ready for this B-plot? <laughs> yes. Okay. And then that Caitlin pulls off her mask. <laughs> yes. Okay, <laughs> anyway. So, we are in Snake's classroom because we are finishing up the school year. Um, I do not understand how Canadian grade system works. Yeah, right? Because Sean enters and Snake is just like, come on in. Look at your grade. It's a 49. <laughs> I have that in my notes, too. I clearly don't understand how Canadian school works. I just, like, I mean, I will say that U.S. schools also are very wobbly with this type of stuff. Um, I've been in a lot of weird situations with grading sometimes for the better sometimes for the worse sometimes to make sure that every kid like you know has a fair shot sometimes for corrupt reasons um i do not remember any time that like a 50 was passing but sure maybe i should look this up i'm gonna look it up while i'm talking anyway so snake is like oh hey so you got a 49 and sean is like super upset because as he's referenced before he is on a, he's in a student welfare system, and one of the stipulations is decent grades. I don't even know how, like, a D is, like, a decent grade with this thing. I've tried looking up more research about this, but it seems like how Degrassi rolls with this system is it's very simplified compared to what I've been able to find online. Um, but he's really worried because this potentially means that he's going to get dropped from that system, and Snake decides to give him a chance to redeem himself. And it's basically for him to create a database as, like, a last-ditch effort to give him, like, a vaguely passing grade. Which, you know, 
I've done this before for, for students. I know many teachers who have done this for students because, especially if it's a kid where you know that there's a lot of circumstances happening, you don't want to just fuck a kid over. Like, you don't want to be that one asshole who is going to be why this kid does not have welfare anymore. So, like, good on Snake for being irritated, but still willing to extend an ounce of kindness in this very rough situation. Yeah, I was quickly looking up, like, apparently an awesome grade for Jimmy in that one episode where Toby hacks his grade is a 77. I do not understand this grading system. Oh, shit. No, I'm looking at it. So, Canadian grading... It's from, like, 0 to 80? It... So, <coughs> Canadian grading scales are different. Oh, shit. They include an E and an F. Huh. So, from what I can tell... Um, academic grading in Canada. It depends on some provinces and things like that, but I'm finding table charts that include the following. So an F is a 0 to 39, an E is a 40 to 49, a D is a 50 to 54, a D plus is a 55 to 59. Um, and according to the scale, an E is a failure. So if you get a 40 to 49, which is what Sean has, that's a failure, but if he does end up at that 50-54 range, it is barely, but it is a D, and that's passing. I rescind my comments. Okay. A D is passing? I mean, it kind of makes sense, because I know at, like, in college, even in my college in the U.S., like, it was, you'd want to fail a class above get like instead of getting a D in a class because if you failed a class and you retook it then the grade that you got in the second time around is your grade yeah. but if you got a D it would average the two yeah which sucked yeah so you basically if you were like on the verge of failing you just conk out and wait for next year yeah so snake says make me a uh, thing of a database of the parts in the workshop and she's like, it works, but you know what? It's good enough. 52. Yeah. Yeah, so, yay. He's, uh, based on the Canadian grading scale, he's able to pass. Um, and Snake is like, okay, gotta go. I gotta go chaperone, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, Snake kind of gives, like, one of those little, like, look, life sucks, but not always type things. Because, you know, he's still kind of riding this I have survived cancer narrative and he's trying to kind of reach out to Sean and make a connection and he proceeds to say like you know I know that Sean is not always going to talk to like you know he understands that Sean's not, not going to talk to him like he used to obviously they've had tension especially because of the fallout with Emma but Snake wants to be clear that he is here for him he is support he wants to support him and it's it's a very rough moment to watch as somebody who has worked with the youth because like I feel like Though, obviously, I have not quite had the exact circumstances happen. Like, I've had that conversation with kids to be like, look, like, I know things fucking suck. And I know that, like, you know, we're not close. But, like, don't feel like you can't talk to me. If you don't want to, that's fine. But don't feel like you can't. And I appreciate Snake. This is, like, the re I feel like sometimes Snake is a teacher. A lot of the time, I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? I don't fucking get this. But, like, this, this arc meant a lot to me as somebody who works with kids. Hmm. Because it shows a very complicated relationship with the kid that does happen. Um, and as he's trying to talk about this with Sean, Sean just totally is just like, I stole your laptop. Yeah, that laptop that you got, 
I, it was me. I did it to get back at Emma. I fucked up. And Snake, what's really sad to me is how Snake is like, no, like, I lost it. Like, I had chemo brain. Like, that's why I fucked up. Like, that was all on me. And Sean's like, no. Like, nope, that was me. And then Snake's just like, his face just kind of goes to three different emotions at once, almost. And his only way to kind of deal with it is to just tell Sean to leave. And honestly, it's so sad. It is. Honestly, I was just like, wow, I'm really glad that I, I'm really surprised that Clarade stayed where it was. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard because it's like, I, I actually, when um, a couple years back, I had my wallet stolen by a student. And like, I knew who it was, but I didn't have any hard evidence that it was them. So like, it was just like, it just was not anything that I wanted to pursue, and I knew the kid was dealing with shit, and I just didn't feel like adding it. And, like, I could replace everything. It wasn't the end of the world. Yeah. Um, and even then, like, if the kid just straight up, like, went in this route and went, like, oh, by the way, like, it was totally me, it was definitely me, even after I had already come to terms with the fact that, like, you know what, my wallet was stolen, and that's just the way that it goes... Even I feel like I would have been in this really weird brain space, and I really appreciate that Snake is being portrayed in a way that is a little more complicated than he sometimes is portrayed. I feel like sometimes it's just like... I feel like sometimes he's just kind of all over the place for various reasons, and in this moment I really appreciated that he is in a really weird... This is where an adult plot works, in my mm -hmm. opinion, because it shows a kind of complicated adult feeling but still tethers is tethered with the kids, it still works for me. Yeah. Where the Joey Kalen thing just felt like it was on an entirely different planet. There was no child around, it was just these two bumbling around. Yeah. Um, and then the story just kind of continues with Ellie and Sean kind of entering and Snake walking past, and Sean is like trying to get his attention, but Snake, Snake just kind of keeps walking ahead and keeps keeps ignoring him. Which is fucking rough. But I do like that they are trying to address this thing that I think happens a lot with people who work with youth where, like, we are expected to kind of behave in a way that we just don't say any... Like, we're not supposed to... We're supposed to act in a way that's perfect. And obviously we want to, right? Like, we don't want to scream at a child. That's not exactly what I ever want to do. But we also sometimes don't give ourselves, nor does our job give us enough time to really process difficult shit. And I, I kind of appreciate that we're seeing Snake trying to process this in real time and trying not to scream at a child, but also like trying to make sense of this very weird, raw feeling that he's dealing with. It reminds me a lot of uh, Mrs. Hesalakos. Yes, when, when JT was imitating her. Yes. And she's just like, I'm just not going to talk to this kid because that was embarrassing and awful. Yeah, though. Um, Demi, I feel like Donnie and I have been capitalizing the conversation. you have anything? Oh, not at all. Um, a lot of my my notes were about, like, I would think I was trying to, like, lighten the the subject matter because it was really sad to me after... Um, Snake tried to blame himself um, for the, like, I had chemo brain. Sorry, I keep getting notifications on my computer, which are somehow not muted like they should be. 
I don't know if you guys are hearing that or not. I'm not hearing it off really quickly. Okay. Cool. So that part was really sad to me. And then I was just taking notes on like the nuances of how the conversation changed because like clearly he was just in this watershed moment, Sean, I mean, and he's just like, I did this thing. I feel really bad. You were so nice to me. I'm going to, I'm going to just admit this because I don't, I don't want to have this on my chest anymore. But Snake didn't have any time to process that, as you said, Donnie. And so like, he just like, his, his face went from like, no, it was my fault. I had chemo. My, my mind wasn't working to like completely like this venomous viper looking face. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, you should go now. And I was just like, oh my God, he's so hurt. And it was just, like, a lot. Like, I also was not making a lot of um, eye contact with the screen at the time. And then when um, when Sean and Ellie show up um, in their civvies instead of in, like, costume at the, at the dance and, like, Snake's out to go get ice. He's just, like, on a mission and he speaks to him and he doesn't even say anything. It's just, like, yeah. that's when you know a teacher's really freaking upset at you. Because it's kind of, like, they kind of usually have to address you regardless or interact with you regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, he just like straight up ignores him. And I'm just like, Ooh, <laughs> poor Sean. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really rough. It's li- literally the, your parents being like, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. And in the case of Sean, yeah, that's the worst. And in the case of Sean, this is a kid who doesn't have a parental structure. Yeah. Like this is a kid who, does not want anything to do with his parents. We don't have too many specifics. We do know that his mother has struggled with addiction. And we do know that whatever it is, like, he has legitimately gone to student welfare before... Going home. Going home. So we know that he doesn't have that much faith in adults. But Snake and him were okay, as Snake pointed out. So to have someone, like, one of the only adults that you do not hate emphatically or who has not fucked you over actively treat you this way is entirely devastating to watch um yeah and it just gets worse from there um where uh, snake's car is not starting sean's like pop the hood let me see if i can help he goes i won't steal your engine yeah oh that was sad too it was um also oh sorry before it's too far from the the last part, yeah. I re- remember that um, there was a, a kind of a, a chunk of episode that occurred between like him showing up in Snake's office and then um, him finishing the databases we saw. So it felt like he was there for a long time, and I just feel like during that time he was probably thinking about how nice of a gesture that was. Like I can save this and stay on welfare if I complete this thing because this person did this nice thing for me. I am so crappy because I stole your alienware computer that, that your person bought for you. Yeah. You bring up a really good point that that must have been just an agonizing hour. Yeah. Like of just and I think that's probably what did it in of just like He's just like, okay, do this, do this. And it's like, oh my god, I can't believe how bad this feels. Okay, and then you put this here. Oh my god, what did I do? Yeah, and like, do you know what that sounds like? It's like, I feel like if it were me, and I did some silly mistake like that as a kid, and somebody did that nice thing for me, and I had to sit through an hour of going through this task, I would be crying at the computer. Yep. And then you'd be like, what's wrong? And I would just be like, you don't understand. No, that's so nice. 
That's what 100%. Like, it, I would just be sobbing, but, like, trying to get my work done through the tears. I'd be like, oh, sorry, I gotta take off my glasses. I can't see. <laughs> Too many it's tears. Allergies. And, and they're just like, uh, do I check in on this person? Do I just let them cry <laughs> it out? I don't know. At least that's what I think as the teacher. And then I'm crying, actually, anyway, too. Yes. Um, so car, engine, I won't steal it. Go on. Uh, when we cut back to them, Sean's like, you've got serious problems. And this is, like, the most... And, like, Mr. Sims is like, okay, I'll call for a tow truck. You go home. Um, with completely dismissive. Sean just breaking my heart, being like, no, I want to help you. But the way that he says it is very, in a Sean way, where he just is just plowing through talking about the issues with the engine. Yeah. He's like... Oh, like, this piece is fucked up. Like, I got oil all over my hands because this is probably flooded. Like, this is this shit sucks. And Snake is, like, almost trying to talk over him. And Sean's just trying to just plow through it and be like, Look, this is what the fucking problem is. You make you give me the parts. I'll do it for free. Like, this is... Well, no, like, yes. I, I just want to bring... I have the transcript open. I just yeah, want sure. I bring attention to Simpsons line here. Help? It's a little late for that, isn't it? I was on death's door. Spike blows her savings on a laptop to cheer me up, and you stole it. What kind of person does that? And I think that highlights a lot of things about Snake. Of It's just like, look, I'm trying to teach you to be a good person, and you stole it from somebody who was dying. And not only that, like, it's not the laptop that's important. It's the fact that his wife gave it to him. Yeah. Like, put herself, put herself and her, their children... In, like, a shitty situation just to cheer him up. That's what's important to him. Yeah. Well, uh, it, I, go, go on. I'm, I'm also just flabbergasted at this. Like, just... Well, <sighs> it's, it's also really hard because there's also kind of this this subtext of sorts that, that you can kind of pull from this if you really look at this as a story about how adults, even if they work with kids, even if they're trying to do what's best like, still have to process really rough shit when working with kids. Because then there's also the subtext that develops of, like, a kid can be sorry, but that doesn't mean you're ready to hear it yet. Yeah. And what do you do as an adult when you're not ready to hear that apology yet? Like, is there a way that you can manage the fact that you feel like shit about the situation while not destroying this kid entirely from the inside out? And this is such a rough thing to be at, because you can tell Sean's like, been living with this for months at this point, but Snake is only dealing with this literally, like, for <laughs> two, three hours. And he's having to chaperone a dance. Yeah. Yeah. Angrily. With that damn headdress on. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I was going to talk about... <laughs> I was going to talk about that at the tail end, so we could get through all the serious stuff. Sorry. But fuck no, it. no, let's do it. We're let's here break now. it up. Let's what break the, it up. Why does he look like Prince Ali? Wonder is he? He's wearing like a gold lame, like the base of it is is like gold lame, and then there's like plastic beads interspersed throughout it, and it's like collapsible. Like he like squishes it in his hands at one point. Like, yeah, at one point he's, like, talking, and it's, like, it collapses in on itself. Like, it has no structural integrity whatsoever. He somehow got a top hat. It's just... It's also got feathers. It's got feathers on the front. It's, like... It's weird. Also, like, and we could talk more about this in the A-plot, where, like, the costuming is very odd, 
a lot of the costuming for it vaguely passes as, like, might have come from, like, not a cost, like, not a party city, but, like, then all of a sudden he strolls in in that headpiece, and it's like, oh, no, that's definitely from Party City. <laughs> it, I mean, we've seen Snake do this shit before. When yeah, he's talking this isn't about, new. When he's talking about how, like, oh, this tastes, like, I've had real Jamaican chicken from that one place in the mall. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then he just, he does the bad Jamaican accent. Don't uh, believe uh, that hype was a mistake. No. Oh, no. Don't believe the hype was a mistake. Uh, Fazzo was a golden jewel who should be, like, just cruising around this dance being awesome. Farisa gets no... Farisa, fuck. Yeah, Farisa. She's great, though, but a one-off. Anyway, he... But, like, yeah, no, this isn't out of his wheelhouse, unfortunately, but, like, it just kind of is, like, this this little piece that... Because he, like, holds on to it for the entirety of this plot as well. So, like, you have to, like, watch yeah. him deal with, like, you know, deal with these very real and, and interesting emotions, but holding this cheap-ass, like, headpiece. And it made me really mad. Uh, it just reminds me of, like, the whole, like, casual racism thing where it's, like, you could be living your everyday life or even just watching a thing and it's so interspersed throughout the entire show and you have to just keep pushing it to the margin of your mind as you like try to deal with this really serious plot or whatever and it's hard to pay attention when you like are very aware of that thing and it's like i just wish you hadn't done that like that damn lamay like what's going on it's it's true though because it's just like <sighs> i mean we'll talk more about this i feel like especially in the a plot because we almost got a conversation about this in this fucking episode, and for whatever reason, the writers did not go in that direction. And the way we almost got it didn't make sense, and we will get there, because I got notes. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so, ex I'm so excited to pick that apart. But, um, but yeah, back to the Snake Sean scene. There's too many S names, okay? There's too many. We got Snake, we've got Sean, we've got Spinner, we've got Spike. It's a lot. Yes, it's true. I agree. They, they're they really, and they're all like monosyllabic. Like, <laughs> yeah, or like nicknamey. So it's like, you all sound like characters in a comic book. I don't know. I agree. But it's like Sean just is trying to plow ahead and be like, look, like, this is how I can fix things. And he also, he specifically says, like, it's the only way I can make it up. Um, and, I don't know, it just breaks my heart. Because, like, I feel like this season has been trying to get you back on Team Sean. Like, I feel like, you know, we saw Sean lose his way toward the end of Season 1. We saw him fuck up tremendously in Season 2. And Season 3, for a lot of it, until he starts getting involved with Ellie, and we start kind of trying to see this turnaround happen, where he's going... He's still uniquely season three, Sean, but you see those those glimmers of season one. The I'm a bad boy and I've been, you know, pigeonholed as a bad boy, but I still want to do good. Like, I still want to do more with myself. And we're beginning to see these flashes. And especially in the way that he is trying to deal with this situation, deal with the fact that Snake is mad with, mad with him is, like, really heart-wrenching for me. Yeah. I agree. Sean makes me feel like, depending on where he goes or which direction he chooses in life, he could end up being Stephen Hyde in that 70s show. I don't know if you guys watched that, but he reminds me a lot of that character if he, like, tones it down, but it's still, like, 
anti-establishment. Yeah, Stephen Hyde was... Yeah, no, I think that's a very good... Um, that's a very good... Uh, oh, man, that's a super good comparison. Because, like, Hyde was a bad boy, but he was also a sweetheart. My, like, fa- yeah. My favorite moment in that show is, like, after he moves in with the Foremans... And, like, they're having money trouble, so he gets a job because they won't let Eric work. And, like, he just throws the money on the table. He's like, just take the money and drop it! And, like, <laughs> runs away. I'm like, oh, hi. Yeah. <laughs> what a good boy. Yeah, and I think I think even Kitty was like, oh, my boy! Or something like that but, after that scene. It was well, like, she, oh, his sweetheart. She looks through the money, and there's, like, a hundred in there. And, like, that was 1970s money. And she's just like, yeah. oh, he's a keeper. And, like, slides it yeah. to her husband. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Kitty was also so, Kitty was like also oh and he when they have the episode of Kitty's birthday like he's the only one who actually remembers it yeah oh he's actually my favorite yeah and Eric was trash and so was Kelso <laughs> yeah definitely so very sure <laughs> I don't care for Walter Fez I didn't mind too much well he had his problems but I didn't care for Walter Valderrama in general terms <laughs> Oh, God, yeah, right. Anyway, back to an actual show. (laughs) Right, yes. So they're having this conversation where they're basically kind of, um, it's like they're having two different conversations. Yeah. Sean's just, like, looking at the floor and spilling it out, and he's like, I don't know, there's coolant on my hands, and he's just like, it's like he's trying to fix a problem that's getting out of hand in his brain. And he's like, no, 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 I want to fix this. And Snake is almost crossing the line when he says, like, what kind of person does that? Because he's saying it to a kid. And it's like, you don't want to make him feel like a bad person moving forward. But you want to rehabilitate him and teach him things. And he's also ignoring what he's saying, so he's getting more frustrated. Mm-hmm. It's tense. I yeah. mean, I, I think it would have been crossing the line if you did say what, uh, you know, you're a terrible person. But I think, like, saying what kind of person leads into, like, what kind of person do you want to be? Is this who you want to be? Yes. Because this yeah. person sucks. Yeah. Exactly. I totally agree. Completely. Yeah. It's, it's, I had an emotion. It made me feel an emotion. For that, I commend them. And honestly, like, just like, I don't know, like, shouldn't you just go to work in a mechanics? Like, that's good money. (laughs) No, absolutely. Uh, And, you know, he's, he's a very good example of a kid who, you know, is meant for a trade. And there is something to be said about that. Like, he is a natural at it. He is very talented at it. Yeah, like, if, like, you know, I have a, I have a college degree. I'm never going to probably make as much, have a secure living as a mechanic with a, like, even moderately successful shop. (laughs) Like that's yeah, always going to be car problems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Mr. Simpson eventually agrees to this. Um, they're like just outside the dance, and Snake kind of like checks in on him and is like, "Oh, okay, so like you're going to be there next Monday. Like, we good?" Um, and Sean is like emphatically like, "Yep." Um, and when Snake leaves, Ellie is like, "Oh, like you know, are you feeling better?" And or are things better? And he says that he thinks it's going to be. Yeah. And you know, like, between taking doing the database and, like, talking to Ellie, she's like, we have to go back. 
I also just really like there's this there's this aspect of Ellie and Sean's dialogue that I really like. I feel like they have a very unique way of speaking to each other where they they don't speak directly, but they both know exactly what's being said, which I really like. Like yeah. I feel like they have a tendency of not speaking directly and I think a lot of it has to do with these are two kids who are surviving very intense trauma. And I think that they're used to not being able to call their pain and call what they're going through explicitly that. And yet they both are so attuned to that language that they can kind of talk to each other in this way and have total comprehension of what is being said. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then the final thing that we have is Snake smiling at Sean and Sean while Sean is hugging Ellie, which is the final shot of the episode as well, is him just kind of grinning yeah. in it, over his shoulder. And it's a very sweet little yeah. note. Because I think, like... I mean, they both had time in between they saw each other. I think Snake was probably hoping that Sean was going to make an attempt to make things right. And, like... Then he did. Like, because... Just imagine how horrible that relationship would have been next year if Sean admitted to this and then just fucked off for the summer. Yeah. There would have been there, there would have been no recovering from it. It's like you did the yeah. right thing, but you did nothing to make up for it. Yeah. That would have been bad. So, it would have been. Anyway. Does anyone have any other thoughts? He's totally relieved. Yes. Oh, um, uh, just one thing, not important. Ellie was wearing a red leather collar yes, um, she to was. the event with a hitch on it and just amazing. Right? Good job, girl. <laughs> She's such a revelation. Like, every every time she appears on screen, like, she really tries to give us something in terms of the costuming, and I really appreciate it. I'm glad that they're always like, like, at least, I don't know. I just really enjoy her. Like, she's so striking in every look she has. Yeah, she arrived with her side ponytail, like, what's up, I'm here, mm-hmm. supporting my boyfriend, it was great. Yeah. Yeah, she's someone that I really like when she's independent. Um, I don't know if it's controversial to say that I actually quite like them together, but, like, she, I don't know, they work very well together, she's kind of fun, like, I prefer, obviously, doing her own stuff, but, like, I don't mind her as a girlfriend role in this sense, because I feel like that Sean is trying to do right by her. Yeah. Are we ready for the A-plot? Yep. All right. Yeah, I'm ready to talk about the best character in the show. <laughs> um, so, the A-plot opens up in the hallway. Um, Snake is telling kids to clean out lockers and leave. Um, and, you know, we're getting, like, a brief little run-through of, like, Jimmy and Hazel and Paige and Spinner, and Jimmy is talking about how he's going to be going to L.A. for a basketball camp, and even though this is a great opportunity, he's super bummed because that means that he is leaving Hazel, because obviously these were plans made before they got together and all that type of stuff. Um, they meet up with Paige and Spinner, and and they are very excited for the semi-formal, complete with Jimmy getting really pumped and hyping up the fact that there is going to be a stretch limo involved. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. That pamphlet was great. Oh, little, yes. Little booklet. It was really good. It, like, looked like 
you know, a, a reasonably sized car, and then, like, they pull it open, and then there's this other panel that, like, makes it into a true stretch limo, and it was delightful. I did not have a limo at prom. I didn't go to prom. No, not at all. I, like, I went to semi, because I'm from Jersey, and that's what we called it, um, for junior year, and then I did not go to prom. I, and it wasn't even, like, I didn't have a date. Like, I had someone to go with, and I went, nah, fuck it, I don't feel like paying all that money. I bought a suit at the thrift store for $5. Nice. Um, it was the same place years later I would buy my genderfuck prom dress. Um. Also good. My prom was so expensive. There was no budget for a limo after all of that. I believe it. It's like, I've seen proms with, like, tickets that are, like, really expensive, and then I've seen, I mean, it just depends on how much, like, how much fundraising the school does, because I've, I've been to prom, um, the school, the last school that I worked at, the prom was actually, ticket was only $10. Oh, wow. Yeah, they just, like, super fundraised for, like, the entire time they were in high school, like, a whole lot of, like, that's how they, but they were able to cut the cost of it tremendously, which was really nice. I don't well, my ticket was one ninety. Yeah, that sounds Whoa. about right. That that sounds about what I would expect at this point for most places. Yeah, I don't remember what ours was like. Um, but I just remember my sister wanted to go, and I went for one of her friends because they're like, "We want to go to prom again." And I'm like, "All right, fair enough. Saves me some time." And then there's the terrible story that I've mentioned too many times. Go check yes. the backlog. Anyway, <laughs> um, so so we have this plot, obviously drastically different from the plot that says in the YouTube description. Um, yeah, this was where I was really beginning to question myself. I'm like, no, format-wise, this is definitely the, the A plot. I don't understand what the fuck is happening right now. Um, the next scene, we're at Jimmy's. Um, and Jimmy is so upset oh because he oh orders. <sighs> this is where it just gets ugly and there's no, there's no escape. Um, he ordered outfits because the semi-formal theme is Bollywood Nights, which is con is a continuity from a couple episodes back. Um, and he is so upset because he has a sari on. And everyone teases him because Degrassi likes to remind you, they're like, hey, we still suck at this shit. And of course Spinner is like, oh, you'll be the prettiest girl. Ha <laughs> ha, because I have not had enough character development since the beginning of the season. Right. I have questions already. <laughs> Please, let Please. him rip. Did he ordered them, or did he go to a store? So it sounds like he, like, ordered them and then picked them up. That's what I'm surmising. Okay, because I saw him pull, like, a receipt or something out of a bag when he was, like, really getting up in arms about this. And I was just like, wait, did you go to a store and just tell them you wanted two saris and two kurtas and then, like, didn't know anyone's size? didn't ask people what color they wanted like how did how did you pull the peach one out of the bag and put it on and know that it was supposed to be a kurta for you like how did that happen i mean he doesn't look bad in the pink i i want no. maybe maybe he was like yeah i'll do like you know i'll do a fun color for the night it's a little different okay yeah but, but it's just okay but it's even more confusing because you're telling me that like nobody else went to the fitting yeah, like, did right. he just literally have everyone's measurements? He's like, oh, I got everybody's, like, natural waist size, I got everyone's bust, everyone's hip, like, we're good. 
so confused. I'm so confused by that. And this is before group chats, so like. Yes, and I mean, you can like take pictures in a store and send it to people. Like he barely like, looks. Is this the one you He barely looks different than Spinner. Right. It's, it's not. Spinner just has like a little vesty thingy. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Like the only difference is that like his kurta is a little bit shorter than Jimmy. Sorry. I mean, but they're teenage boys. I mean, I think also another thing is is like Spinner really gets under Jimmy's skin. And I feel like if Spinner was not there, this would not be a plot in many ways. He'd be like, oh, that's kind of weird. Okay, whatever. And he would move on. But, like, Spinner just keeps fucking pecking at him in the way that only Spinner fucking does. Um, because Spinner sees the chance to be an asshole and he'll fucking do it. Because they have the most toxic friendship ever. Spinner, in the words of Iggy Pop, I don't find anything disgraceful about dressing like a woman because there's nothing disgraceful about being a woman. Well, it's also just like, it's just like cheap fucking jokes. It's just like really. Yeah, Demi, please, if you had anything. Oh, oh, I have things, but it's, um, um, it's just, I don't know. It's just very early odds to the jokes in the way where like, I don't know if you guys ever watched Will and Grace, but I started watching it again and I watched it a lot when I was younger and I was like, when I knew they were coming back with the show, I was like, these jokes don't age well. Please do not do this again. But like in the early aughts, it would just like happen on TV and nobody would even like blink. Mm-hmm. And it was just like yeah. so many jokes that were transphobic. So many that it was like, it was just, that was queer lore even. Like that was a queer show it and was. they just thought it was fair game. So I don't even expect anything from Degrassi writers at all, but it's also just like, Mm. All right. I also also feel like it continues my almost confusion of the initial A-plot idea in the sense that, like, you're seeing them kind of do these kind of hokey jokes, making fun of fashion styles from different cultures, Mm. and yet I was supposed to believe that even on the table they were contemplating opening up a pretty, you know, a pretty intense discussion potentially about cultural appropriation and, you know, incor- and, you know, like, not appreciating culture and all that type of stuff. But it also makes me wonder, like, what if they were going to do cultural appropriation, were they going to do it in a way that was the discussion was going to be in that weird middle-of-the-road way that I feel like Degrassi does sometimes with certain topics where they're like, you know, we can agree to disagree, kind of like accidents will happen with abortion. It's like, no, we can't agree to disagree on this topic. Like, this is not as ambiguous as you want it to be. Like, I do wonder if, if it would have ended up in that territory if they actually went through with it. Like, would it have just been Ellie and Marco just being like, you know, we, we, you know, you feel this way about it, and I feel this way about it, and we just gotta, you know, be friends. It feels like Aaron and James, you know, the two guys who wrote this episode, were sitting around the writing tables like, hey, uh, should we have this thing about where we talk about cultural appropriation? No, that's boring. Let's put that Ashley kid in a... Sorry. <laughs> you mean that Jimmy kid? Jimmy. Ashley's like nowhere to be seen in this episode. No, I mean, his yeah. actual name. Where is she? Aubrey? What is wrong with me? <laughs> oh, I can't even, oh, God, the fuck, I'm sorry. It's just endless with names for me. 
<laughs> Teen Girl Talk listeners, go back and listen to the Swim Fan episode and remember how often I confuse those two assholes, <laughs> Josh and Ben. <laughs> Aubrey. Where is Ashley, though? Mandy's doing some great background work during this episode. She really is, but Ashley is nowhere to be seen whatsoever on this episode. <laughs> Ashley's like, there's too many bright colors at this dance, I can't go. <laughs> Like, like, you would think she would be there just trying to find a way to make Craig miserable. Like, I don't uh, know. But, like, oh, God. It's, yeah, no. Wait. And then James and Aaron went back to pulling each other's fingers and farting. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, anyway, so Spinner's making these taunts about how Jimmy will be the prettiest girl, blah, 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 blah. And Hazel is trying to full steam ahead. She just wants... To have a nice night with her boyfriend, and she's going to do whatever she can to give off that energy. So she's just kind of like, hey, like, I'm really excited about the limo. Like, ooh, I would love to have some champagne. Like, wouldn't that be fun? Um, and as she is talking about these little fantasy, a very herky-jerky limo comes pulling in. According to the transcript. I hope According to the transcript, an ugly limo honking its horn pulls up. Uh, excuse me? Transcript, that is the most beautiful limo ever. <laughs> With its cowboy hat hood ornament. <laughs> Thank you. That's the word for that. I just wrote, like, silver thingy on the front of the hood. I forgot it was called a hood ornament. <laughs> it was beautiful. I just, I was... It, like, had a rusted part or, like, a part that was replaced with another metal color or something on the front. And I don't know where those flags are from either. The two flags on the back. What are those? I don't know. Is it like the Canadian version of the Union flag? Like, what is that? I don't know. The or Canadian... the Confederate flag, rather? Like, what were they like? How can we make it look like one without it being one? Hmm. Right. They're like, we want to evoke Texas. How do we evoke Texas? Do we use their flag? No. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's not use their actual state flag. Like something with stars. It was, yeah, so, like, you have this car kind of pulling in, um, and coming out of it It looks is... like a, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm looking at it. One of them looks like a radiation symbol. Oh, my God, it does. <laughs> <laughs> what? Do you have a timestamp on that? Uh, no. No, it, it's uh, a screenshot from, on the wikia. Okay, somebody's had to answer this. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. Y'all can continue. I'll look this up. No, we need to... We need to pause. Duke's limo, Degrassi. Looking, oh, what? Degrasso. I'm getting more questions than answers. <laughs> but anyway. I, I don't know what that is. The car's got a big rusty spot on the side that like, I don't even know where they got this limo from or how they accomplished it, but it's, like, clearly been rusty for a while because, like, rain or water or something has dragged rust further down from the spot. Oh, yeah. It's, like, <laughs> really, like, there's an attention to detail in this limo. I, I wonder if it's just a prop from, like, something else, like, they just kind of had in the shop and they're like, yes, this is the time. Because the interior, as we will soon see. Oh, my God. It's, it's magnificent. Well, like, we must also discuss the driver, which is none other than Billy Rose Cyrus. Playing Duke. Oh, I wrote the same thing. It's like, and then Billy Ray Cyrus, all caps, in a tuxedo print shirt. 
It's so good. It's like, I, I'm not usually one to, to really care much about celebrity cameos. And let's be real, like, the last major celebrity cameo we had was, like, a Toronto Blue Jays player, which, like, why am I ever going to care about this? But... Wait. Wait, Donnie. Yes. Is it really Billy Ray Cyrus? Yes. Yes, I am 100%... Does he look different in recent years? Because I just wrote this Billy Ray Cyrus lookalike with a dangly earring and a cowboy hat. No, it's one hundred percent him. So I need. <laughs> I need to put. I need to do this job so I can uh, support my daughter Hannah Montana. Oh my It's so good. It's a brilliant cameo. I, I was trying to. I tried to figure out if like Molly Molly Cyrus was like a fan of Degrassi, but she'd be eight when this premiered. So, no. <laughs> Maybe he was a fan of Degrassi. Ever think about that? Who knows? Much to think about. She watched the end for too long, or Noggin would switch to the end, and she'd end up watching it. He's <laughs> like, get my agent on the phone. I have an idea. But anyway, he's the best character on this entire show. Um, <laughs> he's the Duke. Duke has... God, I'm just, like, looking pictures like, of this him. Is, at this point, you just say, you know what, fuck off, Dan. We're just gonna hang out with Duke all night. Tara thought I was writing a very poignant joke, and it was actually really him. Yep. So. Yep. <laughs> it was, like I said, it was like a delight. And, like, as a kid, I was like, yeah, okay, I guess. But, like, like now that I'm older, it's, like, even more charming to me. Okay, so they open up the ba Duke opens up the back of the limo for them, and, like, just cans and other trash just falls out. And here's my thing about Duke. And, like, the no-holds-bar, Duke doesn't play by anybody's rules but his own, but somehow it works, is that his limo is so garbage, but he still has a job. Yeah. So people must like Duke, or he must do, like, the limo sucks, but he does such a good job in general that people keep hiring him. Alternatively, it's his family, and they don't have the heart to fire him. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. I'm following that Duke actually is from Texas. Okay. He moved up to Canada with only a song in his heart and a spring in his step, and he got the only job he could as a limo driver. <laughs> um, yeah, it looks jacked up, the whole entire place. Um, there's, like, like Doritos bags <laughs> on the floor. And oh, my God. Like, rips in the interior that are tried to be covered up with some good old duct tape. There's, like, a t mini TV in there, and there's, like, a strip of, like, tape that's over that as well. It's... Scotch tape. Yeah, it's it's a hot fucking mess. It's <laughs> absolutely delightful, to be honest. My favorite thing is that he opens the door and Paige, like, commits to getting in first. But if you look really closely, she's squinting her eyes in this way where it's like, well, I mean, she's not... She's not having trouble seeing. I think there's, like, a smell or something or, like, some fumes. Oh, that I'm sure. just, like, making her squint just to, like, sort of keep it from hitting her eyes too hard. It is the funniest, most nuanced, tiny little detail. Or, I, I, I agree with that. Also, I think she's just like, okay, least stained spot, least stained spot, mm -hmm. least gross spot. <laughs> is anywhere actively wet right now? Hmm. She, she has, like, the ter like you cut to her vision as the Terminator vision, and just, like, scanning, scanning, scanning. Um, she finds a square inch. And then, of course, you know... We have Spinner just giving cheap, like, ladies' first jokes at Jimmy and whatever. 
and Billy Ray Cyrus, I guess, giving the the final zinger, telling Spinner to watch his dress. I know he says it to Jimmy. Jimmy's the last one in because Jimmy's just standing like shell shocked Uh, at the curb. Right. So I hate cheap whatever. Let's move on. So anyway, off to the one Italian restaurant in town. Yes. (laughs) Um, and once again, Hazel. Not what it is. Yeah. And once again, Hazel's so excited. Yeah. Hazel is very excited. Um, uh, Spinner and Paige are less so, because whoops a dunk. It's the same waiter from when they had when they fucking uh, left um, during I Want Candy. So uh, conti- con- we're continuing that little piece. Yep. Whoopsie doopsie. Um, and Spinner and Paige are like, oh, let's fucking go. Ah, and they're like facing the door. They're like trying to face away from the waiter and everything. And, you know, Jimmy is just trying so hard to keep everything together while it's so obviously falling apart. <laughs> and my heart breaks for this boy just trying to have a good night. Um, and I, the waiter plays it so smooth. Like, I don't know if I would have played it this way. I know, right? Like, he acts like he's never seen them before until the bill comes. Yes. Yeah. So. And, um, he hands them a bill, and Jimmy's just like, this seems a bit much. And he's like, oh, yes, four dinners and three lunches that these two, like, you know, (laughs) moochers left me behind with. And Waitressing is my day job slash night job, and I really hope that one day I get to pull that on someone. <laughs> but I also I don't see why you... I don't dash ever come back, but I'd love to do that. Um, yeah, I can. But I, yeah, I just I, I you could feel the catharsis in this moment from this fictional character. But he must have gone back to the like kitchen and just be like, "They're back." He's <laughs> like, "You will not believe this." <laughs> I can't believe they're this dumb. They came back. <laughs> um, and then Jimmy or Joey just stands up from across the restaurant. He's just like, "Have we never heard of long-term memory before?" Jesus. <laughs> yeah, as uh, Caitlin fucking walked out, like he's just kind of sitting there eating his food. Like, well, maybe she'll come back. Well, he followed her out. And he's like, "Oh damn, I forgot to do it." And he runs in, and says the line, and runs back out. Right. He's like, "I can't not say it." <laughs> right. So then Jimmy has to borrow $40 from Hazel. Yeah, like, Hazel is just like, you know what? Like, I'll pay for it because Spinner and Paige do not have any cash whatsoever. I mean, Spinner, that makes sense. That's part of Spinner's character. I know that's part of Spinner's character, but, like, was it agreed that Jimmy was, like, paying for everybody? Because the way they... Yes. Yeah, he said at the beginning. He He says the meal's on him, and and Paige is like, do you want to switch boyfriends, Hazel? Right. Spinner's like, oh, way to be the hero. And Joey's, Jimmy. <laughs> Do you think Spinner was hanging on to that all night? And that's why he was making sure to be extra shitty to Jimmy? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Not surprising. But then Jimmy's like, that's the idea. Whatever it is. And theme song. Right, right, right. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. I forgot a, a detail. Um... <laughs> Of course, as this whole entire thing is kind of happening, it is worth mentioning there is a scene that happens between these two moments in the restaurant, which is Marco just kind of futzing with everything, um, specifically putting a curtain on a fucking light, as Dylan's like, it's fine, it's fine, you're great, this is all great, I'm not thinking about how this is a fire hazard, you're wonderful, Marco, you're perfect. He put it on the light. I was 
plug it out of the way of the light. Like, why are you doing this? What's happening? Because he goes back there again. They really drove it home, yeah. that hazard. Well, I think what they were trying to do, I assume what he was trying to do was he was trying to have, like, the curtain kind of give a glow effect of sorts with the light. But he's also a child, and I guess did not realize that could be a problem. And Dylan apparently is also a child who did not go, oh, wait, honey, maybe that might be an issue. D- Dylan had one, like, one, um... Like, goal for that night, which was to hang out with his, like, boyfriend. Oh, yeah, he was just trying to make out. Like, that's literally yeah. all he was trying to do. He was just like, I need you to be calm enough that I can make out with you at the end of this. Yes. And and literally all Dylan was thinking. Yeah, you know what? Solid plan. Um. Like, I get it, dude. <laughs> I understand. Like, we had our first date a little while ago. We pro- hopefully had subsequent better dates that didn't involve your parents. And now it's time for us to have our first dance. Oh, yeah. my God, so cute. I know. Anyway. Anyway. Um. Um, and then this is also where we see Emma, Chris, JT, and Manny hanging out. And as Demi pointed out, like, De- like Manny is really just, like, working these group shots. And I appreciate her. <laughs> it's also, like, I keep thinking about this conversation piece about this cultural appropriation aspect of it. And I was, like, trying to think of, like, like... You don't even have, at this point, a character to really discuss the deeper implications of, like, Indian culture being reduced to Bollywood. Yeah. You do get Indian characters later. You get the Bhandari siblings, whom... Spoiler. Sorry. Demi, did you, <laughs> did you get that far in the series? Um, probably. How, like, how, what year are we talking in terms of... When it was released, I can't remember. Was like the main cast still around? Did we have Emma and all of them, or were they like some of them? Some of them. Um, I probably saw it. Sav and Allie. Mm. You know, there's a lot of the series where I've like watched it more than once in the later years, um, where there's still some of the main cast. Uh, I maybe saw it just the once, and that's kind of almost completely erased from my brain at this point. That's fine. I this is not a test by any means. Um, I was just, like, reading some of the later edition characters, like, Wikia pages two days ago, so I was feeling, I've been thinking about them. But, like, there's also this piece where it's, like, your only Southeast Asian character at this point is Manny. But she's Filipino. Uh, yeah. So, like... Slightly different region. Yeah, like, there's there's no real, like... It's this weird thing where if they were going to talk about cultural appropriation, would it just be... It would just be Ellie and Marco as two white people duking it out. Yeah. They made sure to put their, um... Their two, like... I, I want to say it was one or two. Um, clearly South Asian extras... And just before, like, you see Marco fussing over the curtains, and they're, like, going into the music and actually seem like they're doing some... They seem like they actually are familiar with this culture, I'll put it that way. Yeah. They, like, made sure to use those extras. And then you cut to Minnie and Emma, who were, like... Oh, my God. ...doing weird snake charmer dances that they probably got from TV. Emma especially. Like, she was just, like... Emma especially. Oh, she was just, like, you know, like, doing a lot of, like, finger movements and like all arm and it was painful to watch it was 
And like Manny, I know like in the crowds, I kind of noticed like Manny and Liberty straight up have like Bindi's. Mm-hmm. Everybody's in costume. Like everybody. It's a costume. It's brown face. It is. Like, nobody, it's really also like that. I was, like, kind of sitting there. I'm like, number one, this is unrealistic because, like, let's be real. Whenever there's a theme to any dance, like, yeah, sure, there's people who go all out. But not everybody. Yeah. Number one. And not people this young. I like, yeah. Like, well, maybe it's just, like, me and my upbringing. But, like, my mom would have been like, I don't have money for that shit. Like, <laughs> my mom wouldn't be either like it would be like i'm not wasting money for you to like rent a cost like rent a costume for the night and i i hate that i keep saying costume but it's clearly being used right. as a costume yeah no yeah that's the writer's fault like it's it's clearly just kind of it's something it's just supposed to be this eye-catching thing i mean it, what what is the definition of a costume? A costume is something you are not that you put on. Yeah. And then you take you're able to take it off and become yourself again. Like they none of them are this. Yeah. It's except for the two extras who don't get lines. <laughs> yeah. It's I don't know. It's it's just kind of one of those things that you're just once again like I see the skeleton of the other plot that they were trying to do. I see where it was gonna come in. Like, I almost can see how it would play out. Like, I, I almost could find the scenes or the dialogue exchanges that would have yielded the confrontation happening and everything. I mean, yeah, I would have liked that confrontation because that confrontation also would have meant that Ellie was accused of small, starting a small recreational fire. <laughs> but, like... <sighs> I think what it probably came down to was what is easy, like, remembering the age group the show was intended for, and they already had, like, one weird, difficult discussion of, like, living arrangements versus, like, following opportunities to then have, like, that with the, if the if we, if we take the assumption that the Sean Simpson plot was always there to stay, and, like, the two... Other ones were cultural appropriation and the, like, Caitlin opportunity one. Those are two very difficult discussions. So it's easier to just have one difficult discussion and then one kind of nothing A-plot. Because the A-plot is, unlike, is, is kind of taking the place of the B-plot, where it's kind of nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just like, Jimmy is not having a very good time. There's not really an arc to that story. <laughs> I also do wonder if maybe the, it was also the writers realizing that they are way out of their depth to have that conversation about cultural appropriation. Yeah. Like, they've proven time and time again they can't handle race. Yeah. At all. Especially this season where you have Chris and Towers <laughs> who are handled so horrendously. But they were like, maybe we should sit this one out. I mean, that's why I said I hardly remember that line. What was that about? Uh, which one? You said Chris? Yeah, Chris and Towers. So, season three introduces two black boys to the cast. Chris is... Oh, Chris! Yeah, the DJ who Emma dates... Yeah. Uh, and then Towers, who... He's, ha- at the, he's at the, um... 
He's at this little shindig here. Yeah, I just yeah. didn't remember his name when I was watching. Yeah. And Towers, who has had no lines whatsoever this entire Literally show. Literally does not speak. Is one, uh, okay. So one of JC's... Yeah, like, I, I, I entirely forgot. One of J, He's one of... I entirely forgot him, too. He's one of Jay's, like... One of the Groonies. Yeah. It's Towers with a Z? Yes, it is. <laughs> Okay. Uh, the wiki is loading. God damn you early oh, alts in your Z's. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, he dated Liberty at some point. He did, uh, and... Sorry if that was a spoiler. No, 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 no. <laughs> they, cur- well, that's the thing also, right? Because, like, they are together as of this point, and we don't really... I don't think we see Towers in it. Like, I don't remember seeing him. I think Towers would have been with Jay's crew who are ditching the dance, and this is probably just one of the... One of the fights, Liberty's like, okay, I'll let you have this one. <laughs> Maybe, but, like, I don't know. It seems like he sincerely, like, wants to do things with her. Like, he's in those, like, little Kura booths with her. Of course he'd want to go to the dance with her. <laughs> Liberty deserves better than what okay. you are saying. I, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Your silence says it all. Okay, well, I'm just saying, like, there are limits to, like... You know, pe- like, there are limits to high school boys's, like, boys's, I'm a writer, high school, bo- <laughs> <laughs> high, sc- <laughs> high school boys, like, they're, they're, they have their limits, and just, like, going to this is a limit. Okay. <laughs> or, you know what my headcanon is? My headcanon is Towers gave, like, a speech in support of LA calling this cultural appropriation. It's like, I will not participate in this. <laughs> okay. Guys, why are you doing that? I was looking at Towers' uh, Degrassi wiki page and saw that he had an appearance in an episode called Gangsta Gangsta, which apparently aired earlier this season, so I'm guessing you guys covered it. I don't remember it, but I also haven't read the synopsis because I'm already just, like, deep sigh. That, that's the, that's the one. that was a doozy. Yeah, that's the one where Sean steals the laptop. Yeah. And okay. Okay. It's, it's bad. Um... <laughs> Jay has like towers, or like like Jay orchestrates like towers, stealing candy from like a candy machine and stuff. It's rough. Jay is a pill. That much I recall. <laughs> That's a good word for him, honestly. <laughs> oh, and the reason I'm not sure if you listened to the episode that I coined this term, but I called them Jay and his. Crew are goons, but he also has cronies, so I've been calling them croonies. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it sound like they sing little ditties or something. I feel like I'd rather <laughs> have that. I'm just gonna keep giving Towers more, um, Towers more, like, characteristics. He sings in a beautiful baritone. Great. I'm into it. <laughs> I possibly does. I mean, we right. have no... They gave him lines. Yeah, we have nothing to prove otherwise, so... I, I I prefer imagining this. Yeah, like... They gave him this nickname, and you don't even want to give us a cool backstory as to how he got it? Right. Something? No, they give us nothing with him. And it's like, I don't know. I, I... He, he ran up, He ran to the top of the CN... He's run to the top of the CN Tower in, like, under 20 minutes. That'd be sure. awesome. That'd be awesome. I don't know. Like... <laughs> uh, it's just... I'm pretty sure that's an elevator. 
No, um, I was, I was listening to, like, uh, a Let's Play with some Canadian Let's Players. Oh, but you can go up the stairs? Well, yeah, they were saying, well, yeah, I think any building that high would have to have stairs. I was not interested in, in even looking at it. I was too busy in the aquarium. Um, well, they said, like, apparently the firefighters in Toronto, like, before you can get your job, you have to run up that in 12 minutes in full gear. Whoa! That you, makes sense, though. You have to be prepared for anything. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair. And yeah. They were also talking about how much they hate the CN Tower. <laughs> that is also fair. Um, anyway, so before we get too caught up in everything else but talk about this episode, um, back at the restaurant, we have another curveball in Jimmy's horrible day um, because our boy Duke is getting arrested as he's claiming that he has paid off all 30 of his parking tickets. I had a friend in high school who, like, called me up one morning and was just like, Frank, how much would you value our friendship? I was like, I don't know, like, ten grand or so? And he's like, ten grand? I was gonna say, like, maybe twenty bucks. I was like, no, you're you're my friend, Mike. We're cool. And then he explained to me he had so many speeding tickets that he had to pay them or he was going to jail. And I was just like, okay, so here's how this is going to go down. You're going to walk to the pharmacy I work at and you're going to pick up the money and you're going to get a job, and you're going to pay me back. That's how this is going to work. Yeah. And, like, I went downstairs and talked to my parents and my sister, and they're like, you know if you give him that money, it's gone. I was like, I know, but you help out friends. Like, you're supposed to do what you do. With your... My dad's like, I'm proud of you. You're going to lose $300. <laughs> but, you know what? He paid me back. Wow. He was a good... <laughs> yeah, he was, like, super good dude. Um, wow. But, like... I would have told you the same thing, though. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the cops don't seem to understand Duke plays by his own rules. <laughs> yeah, like, he's, like, getting arrested, and he's like, no, no, wait, wait, I have I have a commitment to make. Can you please make sure you drive, you escort these kids to the dance? Um, and Jimmy's yeah. always... See, this is why Duke... You're has... making it a lot more polite than it was, though. <laughs> like, he... Holds up a gloved hand, which confused me. Yes. He held up a gloved hand at, like, Paige, I think. And then he whistles behind him, and it, I'm like, who is he whistling at? Like, I was so confused by this part of the scene. Yes. And then I realized he's whistling at the cops, I guess, because they look up, and he's like, you know, can you... He just... Actually, I think he just nods at the kids, like, to imply that they still need a ride. But, like, the cops don't reply. The cops don't say any words at all. And he doesn't even say what he needs, so I'm just hella confused. <laughs> but... But um, Hazel was like, I guess we're taking it, so. It's weird because, like, there's this level of familiarity that it almost feels like he's getting arrested just for, like, the police to show face the way that the seed is playing out. Ah. So here's the transcript. They know him. But they feel, it feels like they do, but I don't know if it's just the energy Duke brings. Duke knows everybody. Duke plays by his own rules. Anyway, the line is, son, you're already in deeper than a stable boy after a month of Sundays. What? I'd take the car. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, he's like, okay, we'll take it, Duke. And Duke says, my pleasure. Folks, have fun at the prom. Let's dance, cop. <laughs> I'm like, God damn. Bizarre. <laughs> So bizarre. He even stops the guy from putting him in the back of the cab, and I'm like, you can do that? Or the back of the car, rather. I'm like, you can do that? Like, what? Why is this cop so relaxed about this? Well, that's why it feels like, it feels like, like, maybe, maybe this has happened before. Maybe they're like, Duke, you yeah. hit 30 again. Oh man. 
Or alternatively, this is what it means, like, this is what it's like when white men get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> He's the swiper in there, Dora. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh. Like, <laughs> like, oh, man. I'm so excited for that movie. Wait, do we have a teen girl talk? <laughs> Can I tell you that Gwen and I watched the trailer, and it literally took until, like, the last second for Gwen to go, oh, like, Dora. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just kind of sitting there, like, what the fuck? I've always wanted for, like, a movie where a kid has, like, telekinetic powers and that's how they find out. It's just, like, you know, you're watching the TV and, like, your kids, while you're just doing the dishes, your kid's watching the TV in the other room and you just hear, swiper, no swiping! And the TV explodes. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. You've really thought about this. Um, so anyway. Anyway. Um... Jimmy, once again, is mortified by this offer, but Hazel is, once again, just trying to plow through this and have this day go okay. Like, she legitimately just wants to have a lovely night, and Jimmy, you know, he is kind of his worst enemy in, in this moment. Um, so, meanwhile, at the dance, everyone seems to be having a pretty good time, um, and Marco is still futzing and then goes to the front to introduce to do like an introduction with the dance and everything and then to kind of lead to determining who is going to be the king and queen of the dance and as he's doing that fire arrives Degrassi's main weakness yes Degrassi's uh, only as weakness. liberty brings to our, to our attention yes she's just like she points out that it, that a fire is happening and Marco is like still using the mic which killed me like, oh, and sorry. And yeah. before she did, I noticed that Emma was at the front of the crowd, and it was like it was like someone or no one told Miriam McDonald that there was no music playing anymore for that part of the scene because she was still dancing. She <laughs> and nobody else was. <laughs> she, <laughs> <there> was <no> <laughs> music. <laughs> she really was dancing like no one was watching. I noticed that too. Yeah. Like, I feel like <laughs> she like leaves and everything's on fire. She's still dancing. Like. <laughs> She's also, like, the last to get out. Honestly. Yeah, that too! <laughs> just, just, like, Chris is just like, like, oh man, we're okay, I'm at, where, where, oh god damn it, and just runs back in and grabs her and, like, runs her back out and she's still dancing in his arms. <laughs> yeah, like, like, Marco's like, like, oh god, oh god, and then, like, Snake takes on the, takes over the mic, it's like, you all know what to do! As if any kid is, like, actually paying attention during a fire drill. Um... The sprinklers go off right on him. Everyone is, like, trying to make their way out. Emma's still dancing. Um, as this is happening, Jimmy and company arrive to the school, um, and they see people coming out, and Craig is like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, so those curtains Marco got are totally flammable. As if, like, Jimmy would have any idea what the fuck any of that because he wasn't inside, like, whatever. Maybe he heard Marco planning. I'm sure Marco told Jimmy about everything that he was planning, and Jimmy just went, uh-huh, okay, yeah, sure, I'm sure it'll be great. But. I'm just loving the fact the transcript says beep beep. <laughs> <laughs> but as they're talking about this, the fire trucks begin to pull up. To make it clear, like, no, this is not a drill. The school's legitimately on fire. This is not the time that Degrassi burns. That was last time. <laughs> um, so, the last scene of this, 
I was quite charmed by because they decided to have the party outside, which I'm pretty sure they are still way too close to an active fire to really facilitate <laughs> it at this point. But I do appreciate this because I was in a somewhat similar situation at an anime convention a couple of years back. So the first year that Anime Next was at Atlantic City, mm-hmm. um, I think it was they were still testing out a lot of things, especially with capacity. So they had their... Um, they had their rave, um, and it was, like, in a small room, and, like, it was impossible to get into, and I was like, well, that fucking sucks, so I just kind of, like, hung out in the game room for a little bit, and then I poked my head out, and I saw that, like, I, I was, like, people were talking about how the dance floor broke, and apparently, I guess that's what happened, like, they had a dance floor set up, and it split, so they couldn't have it in the dan- in there anymore, and I guess all the other spaces were being accommodated for different purposes, so they had the da- the rave, like, at the bottom floor, where it was, like, just, like, a flat floor, and they moved all the DJ shit up down there. And so then, like, everybody was able to participate. And it was really cute, and it was really nice. And it was, like, my most... It was probably the only, like, really fond anime rave memory I've ever had, to be honest. And every year, you y'all try and go to that, and you guys always return very quickly. <laughs> You kind of go to see if anything, you see any wild shit, and then, like, you do, and then you leave. Okay. I'm usually in bed by then. I'm I know old. you are. I know. <laughs> but I was charmed by this. It was it was charming seeing all the kids kind of dancing around. Um, Marco's still fretting because now they're listening to some pop punk thing that's very of the time. Um, I, and this, the transcript says it's Dylan who says Marco just let it go, but I thought it was Spinner. Well, I think Sp- I think it was Dylan. Yeah, that was Dylan. Spinner tells uh, tells uh, Jimmy to let it go, or oh. something to that effect. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, some, yeah. Maybe I just imagined it because I was hoping that like Spinner was finally over his homophobia and just like pulled Marco be like, "Come on, everybody's having fun. That's what you wanted, right?" No, it's it's really weird because it sounds like the first plot was going to have quite a bit of Marco, but this but they scrapped it. And in this plot, Marco is very isolated. Like, the only other character he interacts with is Dylan the whole entire time. He doesn't interact with that other four, even though they are all, like, very good friends with him. Yeah. Um, So Jimmy's Jimmy's disappointed, but Hazel's just like, here's what you need to do. Smooches them. It's cute. Um, And then she's like, dance with me, which is even more cute. It's true. And it should have just cut to Duke running away from the cops down the street. Um, right. <laughs> that would have been great. It would have been like really Amazing. goofy, but it would have it would have worked. I was it would have worked I for was, sure. I was weirdly charmed by Billy Ray Cyrus. In in I this. can't believe that was really him. I want I want him to become a teacher at Degrassi. Can you imagine? Oh my god! What would he teach? Like. Life skills or something really obscure like that. Driver's ed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, first things first. Yeah, they do need a driver's ed teacher. First, they do. First things first, keep your car as filthy as possible. <laughs> All right. Just distract them for the cops. <laughs> um, also, everyone got their, like, jackets back at some point when they, like, were outside dancing. They, you know, they weren't just outside without their original coats and things. And I was like, did they go back inside? They went to the coat check. Where did they get their coats from? Yeah, especially because it's like they were like trying to to like, make it be like, oh, it was a little fire. It was fine, but like I feel like with the amount of curtains that were in that room, like that would have been a nasty fire really quickly. 
Yeah. Real fast. If they were, like, totally flammable, as Craig said. Yeah, like, I, I actually feel like this was, uh, I, I don't know enough about fires to really give a, a real answer to this, but, like, from my understanding, and from the amount of curtains that were in that room, that would have been potentially, like, really fucking bad. They, they just, the, the firefighters pull up to Marco, and they're like, son, these, car- these carbon paper oh. curtains were a bad idea. He just screams. Alright. Yeah, so. What's your rating, Frank? Uh, Demi, do you have anything? Any final thoughts? Um, no. No, I think I've got it all covered. Oh, 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 one more thing. Yes. Um, um, more to Manny before you give her a rating. Really working it in the background. Um, there was a cute scene right before I think, like, the fire broke out where they were by the food and it was Manny and JT. And they're, like, by the food table, and Manny's, like, bopping to music, putting some food in her mouth. JT clearly tasted something that was way too hot for his palate, and he's, like, Mm -hmm. reaching for a napkin to, like, wipe his mouth. And she's either not paying attention or doesn't care because she's trying to feed him more of something else. (laughs) And then Toby and Kendra, like, walk hand-in-hand past them just laughing at it, and it was so cute. And they didn't have any lines in the episode, but I thought they were so entertaining anyway. That was really cute. But that also brings me to a farewell. This is Kendra's last episode. Oh, wow. R.I.P. Was she got too many sports to play? (laughs) (laughs) I agree. (laughs) No, but really. But yeah, R.I.P. Kendra, which... Oof. I miss... I I don't know. Like, she was a character that I really enjoyed as an adult. I didn't think... I mean, I think it was just she was ahead of her time. She was an anime jock. Like, nowadays, that's such a... You know, that's such a common character in the halls of a high school. But, you know, back then, I guess we just weren't ready. Yeah. She just says, I have to go. My planet needs me. Climbs into a giant baseball-shaped spaceship, and then hits it with a bat and sends herself into space. Good for her. We'll talk about that more. The season-end wrap-up, which we've already recorded, next week. Yep. Anywho, um, I'm going to give this a solid C-. Fair. Um, It loses two full lot of grades for all the transphobia from Spinner and everybody, and the shittiness of, like, the missed opportunity. Then another full letter grade from uh, the shitty Caitlin and Joey plotline. Um, but you might be wondering, that makes it a D. Well, it gains a full letter grade just for Duke. <laughs> v Duke. V Duke. Um, How about you, Demi? Do you have a rating for this episode? Oh, um, let me think. There are some parts I really enjoyed taking notes on, and I think I was just super thrilled to be doing it at all, so that may affect my grade. Um, however, Spinner grinds my gears in this episode. Um, I think that changing the plot really kind of hurt the episode. Um, I mean, maybe they would have been able to handle it, but it was kind of, now that you've brought that to our attention, it's kind of really obvious, because... This, is this a season finale, or is it, like, a yeah. penultimate? It's a f- season finale, yeah. Yeah, it's not It's not good enough for a season finale at all. There's just no There's no real threat happening. Nothing's handled that great. I don't learn much. Um, 
Yeah, it's either a D plus or a C minus for me as well. Yeah, and and when you bring up like the season finale piece, it really makes me think about what the past two season finales have been up till this point. So your season two finale was Tears Are Not Enough, and that was um, Craig dealing with his, you know, his father dying, right? It's him, like, trying to cope with that loss and, and that really fucked up feeling of, like, acknowledging that, he, that, you know, your father is abusive while also, like, feeling some, like, mourning the fact that he is gone. And then season one's finale, which season one, you know, is, it, they're still figuring out the formula, but season one, the finale was Jagged Little Pill, which is the episode that Ashley takes ecstasy and basically fucks up her life. So these two, though they were, like, the stakes were deeply personalized to one character, they are still, they still pack a punch to some extent. And then in season three... I understand to it to the merit of having a lighthearted episode, like don't get me wrong, but it feels like it just is not it just really lacks some sort of punch or some sort of statement that perhaps was planned in the initial run and just did not go with it. Yeah, just imagine ending this with Ellie and Marco not in a good place. Yeah. Like it would have sucked, but it would have been it it would have built up the tension that I think the other two finales did. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't make me wonder much about how season four will go either. There's no like, yeah. It doesn't there doesn't have to be a huge cliffhanger, but I want to be titillated and I want to feel like there's more that I need to see. And oh no, I have to wait some months before I get to see it. I agree. I agree. It it a lot of things have tied up pretty well, and I also feel like the later part of season three is all about tying up a lot of loose ends. Mm-hmm. And a lot of characters getting, like, a little positivity, which is very sweet. And I think some of those episodes are very cute and good. But it also does, like, you know, like, what is going to be the issue now? I don't know. It seems like everyone's in a pretty okay spot. And, like, there's not very much of a snafu we're going to have to deal with the fallout of next season. Yeah. But. What can you do? This is what happens when the podcast is, like, all writers. We are always, like... Hey, what the fuck? Yeah, we could have written the show better. <laughs> right. Um, okay, character rankings. Uh, Spinner, you're going way down. Stop being an asshole. I thought you were getting better. Um, Marco, yeah, nearly set the school on fire. You're going down a half step. Dylan, <laughs> for being a supportive boyfriend, you're going up a few ranks. Uh, Paige, you're just... Paige and... Eh, Hazel's going up a few rankings because she was trying her best to just keep the night pushing. Um, Jimmy for trying his best, going up a few ranks. Emma for dancing like no one's watching and dancing when no music is playing, going up a rank. JT and Ma- or Manny, same. Um, and JT can go up a few ranks for being cute. Liberty for calling out fire safety, going up a few ranks. Um... <laughs> Joey and Caitlin going down a bunch of ranks out of spite. Um, Andrew, for that sick, sick plane you uh, put down, going up a bunch of ranks. Um, uh, anybody else? Uh, Duke, triple S platinum rank. You can't get any higher. Um, oh. 
Duke's car also there. <laughs> uh, I think that's it. Nice. And Demi, you are a veteran, so if you don't want to participate in character rankings, that's totally okay. However, if you would like to, we would absolutely love to hear it. Um, I would just like to add that, um, mm, well, Emma, Emma does deserve to go up in my mind for her, like, carefree dancing and entertaining, um, a, a lineless, what's her boyfriend's name again? Chris? Chris, uh, Chris yes. who has no lines. Um, which didn't, I didn't mean to say as a girl who has no face, but, um, and, but, but then also maybe needs to stay where she's at because she was doing that whole snake charmer dance thing. And, oh, girl, why are you doing that? Fair point. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's totally fair. Oh my God. Emma. <sighs> I think I hated Emma growing up, but then I didn't. I didn't care for her. I don't remember hating her, but I don't remember loving her. I started getting real protective over Manny, and when she was, okay. like, hating on the thong and doing all the slut-shaming, I was like, Emma, please. Yeah, I feel like so. my fondness toward Emma has gone down. Like, whatever feelings I had of fondness toward her, they're going way down. Because I, too, like, I've always really cared about Manny, but especially now that I'm older watching it, I'm very protective of Manny, and I'm like, fuck you, Emma. Yeah. You put her in this fucking rough spot. But, you and your double standards. Oh, God. Emma's all about double standards, and that's what I think really frustrates me the most. But um, before we entirely just talk about Emma, um, let's move on to recommendations. So this is where we recommend things that are either directly related, adjacent, or just things that we are enjoying at the moment. Um, I will recommend um, I Wish You All the Best by Mason Deaver, which is a book that came out pretty recently. Um, it is a non-binary author writing about a non-binary protagonist, which is wonderful, but most importantly, the content is very good. It provided a young adult romance that I was truly cheering for, because, like, a lot of the time when you read young adult, you're like, you look, I'm old, I know you guys aren't gonna stay together, like, it doesn't fucking matter, kind of, basically. Um, but this one actually created a love interest whom I adored so much and he legitimately like became one of my favorite characters in YA in a long long time. Um, so if you're interested in reading some decent trans rep but also just reading a really good love story which also talks about a dance not quite going as planned. Um, definitely check it out. It just recently came out. The author is doing some some uh, talks and tour and things like that so um, Definitely support it, because I really sincerely enjoyed it. Demi, do you have a recommendation? Um, I do. It's not very on the nose for the episode. Um, but uh, what I did, what I was thinking about, especially since they abandoned that plot, and um, it's not really addressed any of the, like, problematics of the whole theme of the, of the dance, um, I thought about a book that I read somewhat recently. It's uh, mostly poetry. Um, it's called If They Come For Us by Fatima Asghar. I think I'm mm -hmm. pronouncing that right. She's not um, Indian, so it doesn't speak to like the whole Bollywood thing, but it was it was obvious that they were kind of using Bollywood as like a South Asian like umbrella term for some reason, and she is Pakistani, so it somewhat applies, and I feel like it won't um, 
it won't rub anyone wrong in terms of like queer sensibilities or anything like that. And it's a really beautiful book. So I'm going to throw that one out there. It came out last year. Nice. I have to check that out. Yeah, it was really good. The cover in itself is really beautiful. Everything mm-hmm. is really great. She's great. Awesome. And how about you, Frank? Um, mine is completely, uh, mine is completely not related to the thing at all. It's, I guess kind of, it's two girls trying to go to a party. It's called Booksmart, the movie, (laughs) or it's a movie that came out recently, but it's, I just saw it last night for Teen Girl Talk. Um, I think this is going to come out the week we review it. It is unbelievably funny. And just very heartwarming. It's like, it, pe- people are referring to it as the female super bad, and I think that does a disservice. I think it stands on its own, and I highly suggest everyone watch it. Probably out of theaters by now, but if it comes to Amazon or Hulu, check it out. Nice. And with all that said, Demi, you've made it through. Yay, I'm so excited. Congratulations. <laughs> it was a tough one in some ways. It was, it was. I feel like this happens a lot where you get, like, like it's, I feel like we get some of these episodes, and you're like, okay, it's only 22 minutes, like, okay, whatever, and then, like, it just is like, oh, no, there's shit that needs to be addressed. Fuck. Yeah. But Somebody's gotta address it. Yeah, exactly. Um, are there ways that people can either continue the conversation or keep in touch with you? Um, yes, I do have a Twitter. It is at Black Snatch. Um, no underscores or anything like that. And I'm going to go look right now because I can't remember. Oh, okay, yeah. It's Black Snatch, but the Snatch has three H's. And it's, um, it's, I'm very frank on it. I will just say that. It's not my professional Twitter. That's my personal Twitter. <laughs> but you can always hit me up there. Awesome. Um, if you want to keep in touch with the podcast, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can uh, email us at ihopepod at gmail.com, especially if you're interested in potentially appearing on the show. Um, as, I mean, Demi, you're someone who reached out to us, and it was an absolute joy to have you on. Um, so definitely to reiterate to people, like, do not hesitate to reach out to us. We love having you, um, and we love hearing your thoughts. Um, especially because we are making our way to season four. We want to make sure that we have everybody doing what they can to give the season justice. There's a lot of stuff that happens during the season, and we want to make sure that everyone has a voice during it. So if you're interested, definitely email us at ihopepod at gmail.com, and I will give you all of the information along with an easy, breezy Google form that kind of helps you set up and get in touch with us. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, you can also follow us on Facebook at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast, as well as Twitter as I, at I Hope Pod. Um, and as always, we are interested in hearing your thoughts about Degrassi, so if you want to send us any text or audio clips, do not hesitate to send them to us. We would love to hear it from you. If you want to support the show, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can buy us a coffee, um, and all the, all the money that we make through that is going to be put toward tech upgrades along with compensating our guests. We also have our review challenge still up, which once we hit 20 reviews, we're going to go back to the Degrassi of the past, check out Degrassi High, Degrassi Junior High, and pull out some episodes and give you double the content um, as a thank you for helping us out. Um, If you want to talk to me individually, you can follow me on Twitter at DMIsUnbreakable. I don't have a Twitter, but I have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk. Uh, It's my sister and I talking about just random teen media. Um... 
You can find it on iTunes and all podcasting websites and whatnot. And with that said, we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. See you next week, everyone. Later. Bye. Bye.